from Los Angeles, California, this is Berncast, and I'm the bomb. Greening the Burn is a movement within the Burning Man community dedicated to making the event environmentally sustainable and spiritually fulfilling. In today's episode of Burncast, we go to Lightning in a Bottle, a weekend magical adventure produced by the Dewlab that took place in Santa Barbara, California, the weekend of July 14th through July 16th, 2006. The Dewlab is going out of their way to make their event sustainable, including solar-powered stages and sound and biodiesel generators. To read their green mission statement, please visit the website www.lightninginabottle.org. What you're about to hear is an interview of Kachina, Katrina, and Blue, the two people involved with greening lightning in a bottle and who are also spearheading the greening of the burn movement on the playa. With me is Dr. Groovy, who is my co-host in this episode. This is The Bomb, and I'm here at Lightning in a Bottle in Santa Barbara, California. It's put on by the Dewlab. And it's a great event, and what's so great about it is that they're making the event green. I'm here with my friend, Dr. Groovy. Hello. And she's going to help me interview. And she does this great, great, great show. You want to talk about her show real quick? Okay, I do an internet radio show called Frequency and Phrenology on killradio.org. It's 4.30 to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every Saturday. We are interviewing Blue and Kachina Katrina about how they're greening this event here today. We're changing the the three-ply community drinking game a little bit differently today. Lynn, do you want to explain the rules? Oh, yes, indeed. So today... Wait, what's your name? Oh, I'm Kachina Katrina. So today we're drinking ISO juice. What's ISO juice? ISO juice is some of the best juice in town. It's fresh squeezed, organic, and yummy in your tummy. It's really highly nutritious, and uh, it's better than alcohol. Really? Oh, okay. Yes. I can see that's true. For community's sake. Community. Community. And just to your your right... This here is Blue. Hello, I'm Blue. I am here at Do Lab event, having a great time. I came down to connect with the people that brought solar panels to the festival. A company called Energy Efficiency brought a six kilowatt solar power station to the event, and they've plugged into the grid here at the campground, and we're pushing electricity into the grid which is being used up at each of the stages. and How many stages you got here? There's four different uh, locations where entertainment is happening. There's the LIB, or Lightning in a Bottle stage, the Lucent stage, where some of the circus performances have been, have been happening. There's a big dome called the Treehouse. There's a beautiful resource materials uh, tree in there, a huge tree. Made out of cardboard. Made out of cardboard <laughs> and, uh, and an old army camouflage netting. Perfect use for those. Awesome. Solar energy is powering the whole thing? Uh, actually, it, it would be really awesome if it was powering the entire event. It actually is, we're pushing electricity into a grid that already exists at the campground, and it's estimated about one third of the electricity that will be used over the course of the event will have come from the sun being pushed in through the, pan, through the power station into the grid. The remainder of the power will be coming from the grid, which is then you know, which is connected to the larger grid here in Southern California, um, the event producers uh, apparently, what I've been told from the so- solar power company, uh, that they 
have purchased wind credits, so the remainder of the event will be powered by renewable sources outside of the event. So very positive way to take care of things. It's one of the actually the best things if you if you start looking around you can get your energy from renewable sources simply by telling the company that you get your electricity from that that's how you would like to get it and then they'll your electricity your money that you pay to them will be going to that renewable source. And the more people that ask for that, the more renewable sources will become available obviously. It's supply and demand is what it is. Resource on that cleanandgreen.us. It's a company that does offsetting using wind power. And it, they also do events, cleanandgreen.us. What started this whole movement about greening it? I've been doing events and greening them for a long, long time, and it just kind of expands as I learn more and other people learn more. And it's just amazing to find out all the different ways that we can have a fun, clean festival and uh, learn a lot, like the solar power here and also recycling stations and using biota bottles that are compostable. They break down like months. There's so many different ways. And in addition to the solar power stage that you have, I understand you're also using biodiesel generators. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the the Dewlab has also sourced some generators that are running that will would run on biodiesel. I, I actually don't know whether they're running them or not running them. I've heard that they were set uh, in place as backup. Um, yeah, they're running. They are running. Okay. Um, so that's you know, that's another option is uh, it is power getting power from generators. Uh, biodiesel is. Uh, something that more and more people should be looking into. There are more and more people, uh, or companies out there renting them. Um, it's it's actually been one of the toughest things is finding companies, uh, or in some cases individual individuals that have large generators that can power festivals, events like this, and you know are willing to run biofuels in them, take the chance, as some people say. Um, it, it's a whole other discussion <laughs> to, to, to talk about why. Um, fortunately, over the last couple of years, uh, in the time I've been um, trying to source these different companies, um, there have been some people coming out of the woodwork that we found that are interested in using biofuels. They see the move towards uh, move away from, I should say, uh, petroleum products, and they see the size of the community. It's starting to be something that's available now. Um, it's not that it wasn't available two years ago, four years ago. There's a company that I've been working with uh, recently that uh, used 100% biodiesel and generators in, in the year 2000 in Washington, D.C. for Earth Day. And uh, they've been trying to find more and more organizations and, and groups that, that would be interested in using biodiesel and generators ever since then. So where's the screening of the, of the festivals, and particularly Burning Man, where's that coming from? Is it, is it spearheaded by you guys, or is it coming from the community? And also, what did Larry Harvey have to say about greening the event last year when he spoke at Otter, Otter Oasis? This is just vegetable juice, right? <laughs> I told you it was good. Ten ingredients. I think it's really the community that is stemming from it. Uh, Blue? Would you, I would agree with that. Um, in fact, I, I as a person who have, have sort of been designated as a funnel um, by a number of different people, as as someone who who uh, to go to when when asking questions about greening events, um, in particular the one that I work a lot on, which is the Burning Man project. I work full time for the Burning Man project, but I have to say that my 
greening of Burning Man, that side of me is fully me personally speaking. Um, I actually have to work very hard talking with the Burning Man organization, the very people that I work with, I have to talk at to try to uh, <laughs> get things moving. Huh. And I'm, I have a very fortunate position that uh, after I get done talking at them, I turn around and talk with them. And <laughs> after a few months go by, we're both talking about the same thing, and then something's happening. And things have been moving a lot faster, I think, because of that relationship that I have with the people that produce the Burning Man event than they would if it was simply someone calling in on the phone or sending in an email. Um, and that's mostly, I think, because of the time constraints. To be able to get to every phone call and every email is near impossible, and that's where I, the funnel, came in. Everyone started sending those emails and, and uh, phone calls to my direction until it got to the point that I felt there were a lot of people I was talking to, and I couldn't really... It was becoming hard to connect these people all by myself through emails and phones, and I felt that it would be really good to get a lot of them all together in one room and let them connect with each other. And uh, on a Wednesday, I made a decision to try and get as many people together on the, that coming Saturday as possible. I got the Burning Man organization to allow me to use the office space there and a conference phone, and I had about 15 people in the room and about 15 more on the conference phone, and it was... But there was a lot of uh, enthusiasm and, and desire to, to meet and greet and talk about how we can look at the Burning Man project, and in particular, I'm going to say Black Rock City, the city that it's built from nothing into and returns to nothing, hopefully. Um, how, how can we do it in a more green way? And as I approach that event, and as I look at this festival, and I think of all festivals, really, it, it really starts to it starts from the people. Each individual has to look at themselves and what they're doing as a contributor to the event. One of the things that, that is probably the hardest thing to green at an event is the numbers of vehicles that it takes to get everyone to the event. And then if you can go even farther back, the number of miles spent driving around picking up supplies and the number of things that people buy and where they buy things and you know you don't want to, I, I personally I, I want to speak just from my own perspective I don't want to be judgmental I don't, I don't want people to tell me where to shop and so I, even if I disagree with where someone's shopping I don't really want to be the guy telling people where to shop I like to lead by example something I learned from Katrina Katrina's phrase model this call it model the experience experience yeah what do you mean by that well you just do it do whatever you feel and be the change you want to see. Yeah, be the change that's you want to see. That's another thing she said. Be the change you want to see. And I think, you know, that's really what I mean when it's when I say you have to look at, you have to start with the individual. And in, in the Burning Man community, it's right in, in our... Oh! It's right in our basic ten principles, actually. It's one of them. And there's, there's a lot that can be said about the ten principles, so we probably won't spend too much time on it, but one of them is about radical self-reliance. Part of leave no trace and pack it in and pack it, you know, what you pack in, you pack out, and, you know, minimizing what you bring in the beginning. This is all something that's personal responsibility. And I think the Burning Man organization spends way too much money and way too much time and way too much resources telling people year after year after year to leave no trace. I wish we could stop doing that. How could they do it better? I like the internet. I mean, not everybody's going to surf the internet before. I think the better way is word of mouth and, uh, yeah. and, and yeah, the information on a website and, and 
open up your eyes and get it. And, and quit having to be told you're having a lot of times the same people over and over again. Yeah, and they true. know. They already know. I know they know. They know. Same people what? Leaving a mess. Oh. Yeah. Not taking personal responsibility. I mean, they are to some extent, but if you're not really stepping forward and taking care of your own matters and leaving it for somebody else to take care of, that's just being irresponsible. And there are, but there are a lot of people and more people, and this event is one example of people actually making a change, making it actually This happen. is a good example. This is a good example here, yes, yeah. indeed. So and let's focus on the changes you're making here. Okay, well, example is yesterday I saw the um, recycle can. A lot of them don't have lids, but there are a lot of recycle cans. Some of them have some kind of uh, mentioning that it's recyclable. Um, a lot of times people are not putting their stuff in recycling cans, so I'll just dig in the trash and pull out the recycle things, and then if it, uh, something's full, if I have the time, if I didn't have to get to a podcast, then I would usually go and change it um, and ask the people around me to help. And usually that's when people get it and they're more than willing to help. And the people that aren't willing to help, because I'm a kachina, I'll go in and make some funny little face and, you know, play with What's them. What's a kachina? Hee <laughs> uh, Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little magical being that likes to It's a Native play. American expression, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, it's a Hopi Indian doll that they bring wisdom and joy through song and dance. And so I like to do that. I like to share wisdom and joy through little actions that, you know, deep down I hope people get it is really what I'm trying to do you know and when I say things I'm serious even if it looks like I'm joking and I understand you're here to evaluate this uh, solar energy usage for a possibility for using it at Burning Man but that that's never happened before Burning Man has never had solar energy so far yeah to the best of my knowledge there's never been a solar power station dedicated to any part of Burning Man infrastructure what about the ranch um, the ranch actually is in the process of putting together a solar system um, but, but that's its own private um, the, yeah, the, the, the Burning Man Ranch is a it's a production facility okay. north of where the event is, oh, okay. and it is a pretty state-of-the-art production storage operation. Um, and we have a, I don't know the details on it, I know that uh, about a month ago, two solar panels were installed to, that was basically, those are the last pieces that needed to be installed. Mm -hmm. um, the building was built two summers ago, the batteries were put in last year. Uh, it's been a progression. Um, every year they spend a little bit more money on different things around the properties in Nevada and this is one of the things that they've been working on. It may be something that over time, I'd like to see us go more solar than, try, yeah. than spend our energies on converting to biodiesel and generators and, and just keep the generators as bad. Um, a lot of people are and a lot of people uh, just are un aware of a lot of the things that the Burning Man organization has had to do to get where it is right now over the last four years. Um, it's not that it's secret information, but it's not something that they put a whole, dedicated a whole web page to. Um, but about four years ago, the people up there started gathering together and trying to fight against Burning Man. And mostly the ranchers that are out near where our ranch property is, the people that have to drive by our property. Uh, and they tried to band, you know, band together and fight Burning Man and try to shut us down. And they were quite successful, and, and to a certain degree, they shut down what we were doing. They, uh, they effectively cleaned up the ranch a few years ago, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they were like, like I say, they were definitely successful. <laughs> they shut down exact uh, everything that was happening. Um, 
we were no longer able to house people on the ranch. Uh, we had a full kitchen that could feed over 120, 150 people. Every year it was working. For, we had to remove art cars, art installations. Actually, you know, in a lot of cases, the cars that were removed were, I wouldn't call them art cars anymore, but um, a lot of the art cars have remained. A lot of the art installations have remained. Uh, the entire property has been completely redone. In fact, the original ranch property that we were using with, for all this storage of stuff was actually a leased piece of property called the 80 Acres or Black Rock Station. That property has been completely um, cleaned up, everything removed. We're off that property. It's been reseeded with native plants and you can almost not even tell we were ever there. Um, we moved to the property behind that 80 Acres, which is a property of 200 acres that Burning Man Organization owns. And that's where the new state-of-the-art facilities is. It's a storage facility with large fences to try to block the sight of things from the road. All of the containers and anything uh, like trailers, everything's been painted a sort of desert tan color, which helps camouflage the fact that we have things out there. The art has been displayed along the roads in a way that looks more like a drive-through museum than storage. Is there a limitation to solar power or say wind power such that Burning Man would not be able to use it? Like is it too expensive or are the panels too delicate to be able to be used up there? Under the harsh well, conditions of the playa. Yeah. Well, one thing, I mean, for the wind power at least, you have to make sure you have wind. Otherwise they're not going to be very helpful. Has there been any kind of analysis as to the fact that there is you know, enough wind to be able to have windmills up there or just didn't work or? Probably the biggest obstacle is is one wind turbine, probably the most efficient ones I've, I've been introduced to, produce about 1,500 watts of power. And what does that translate to, like 1,500 watts of power? Is that like one stage? No, not even. Okay. Uh, well, one, one stage, if you're talking about the spoken word stage in the cafe, which is approximately about a 500 watt power system. So yeah, okay. you could run the, a small stage during the day okay. while it's windy. If it's generating enough electricity and you have enough batteries uh, to store the electricity, then you might be able to run when the wind isn't happening. But I just said, you know, the next thing that's a problem with these technologies is just the word batteries. Everyone knows how, you know, from, a, from your AAA batteries you put in your little headlights, headlamps, you know, and flashlights, up to giant, large, deep cycle marine batteries that it takes to store this kind of electricity so that you can use it all night. There's, there's serious costs involved with that, and then from a from my perspective, there's serious indirect costs. Well, it should be from everyone's perspective, but um, uh, there's serious indirect costs in that. So it, it's actually something that would be really interesting to, to actually do a study on and weigh the indirect cost between running a 50,000-watt generator on biodiesel made from waste veggie oil, say, which I think is the cleanest way you can go if you're running a generator at this point, versus 50,000 watts of solar power and how many batteries it would take to be able to produce the same amount of you know power that this generator is producing on a continuous basis from the sun um, if you're if you own a house and you take a 6,000 watt power system similar to the one that's out here at this vessel today and you put it on your roof it's about two two years of producing electricity from the sun before you've paid back I believe from what I was told before you've paid back the carbon footprint that it took to make the solar panels. 
the solar panels will run for properly for approximately 30 years. So for another for another 28 years, you're getting you know gain. So when you own the house and you do that, that's a very good thing. I mean, they can size your system so that at the end of the year you owe zero dollars to the you've paid zero dollars to the electric company. In fact, you've probably pushed electricity back, maybe, and maybe if you set it up properly, you're getting paid back. I don't know. I've heard people that do that. What would be the initial cost of like this system? You know, you'd have to pull them over to get that real information. Okay. Um, I would probably estimate it in the. That's the system that's doing the stage right now. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's a, it's a system that's that's uh, pushing electricity into the grid, which is actually powering everything here um, at this festival. There's a grid already set up at the campground that's powering the whole festival. We're putting energy into that grid, just like the power company is, and everything that we're pushing in is being used which means less is being used coming from the power grid. And that's the way electricity works in the United States, is everyone's on a giant grid, and they're, they're making the electricity as you demand it. When you walk to your switch and turn a light on, more electricity is going to be made. Yeah. You turn it back off, less is being made. And that's why there's times of the day where everyone's got their air conditionings on, or they come home and they're doing, you know, cooking dinner and doing laundry, and these brownouts can happen, because everyone's demanding it at the same time, and there's a certain capacity. As we wrap this up, I want to know, how can participants... I know this event, it's already kind of too late to get the message out, so maybe for Burning Man and for future festivals, how can participants green their festivals and, and green their lifestyles? Well, a really easy way, just with events in general, if you are uh, participating in coordinating one, you can have a recycle station set up very easily. A lot of the times the city, if you call the city hall, they'll have some sort of uh, events recycling, and they'll do it for free. They'll come and bring some recycling containers and have workers um, be there. You guys do the cleanup, <laughs> and then um, they'll take them away at the end of the event. And so that's one really easy way. Uh, again, the pack it in, pack it out philosophy, and um, living simply, having compostable food and um, cups, like ISO uses corn cups. Uh, I was just thinking about any kind of impact that you're having if you have a lot of trash uh, from anywhere. There's also carpooling that you can do. Spaceshare.com is a great ride board used for carpooling and they actually participate here in this festival. Awesome. And um, yeah, just going with your friends. There's also the cleanfuelcaravan.org and they do uh, biofuel carpooling and big buses and such and also education and um, just learning more really. And here's another little fact with the uh, 12 ounce water bottles compared to the 16 ounce water bottles and larger the 12 ounce cost more to create and they waste more and then they create more waste because people just like drink their little dinky water bottle but then the bigger ones people are like more happy to hold on to like this bigger refreshing water bottle it's it's amazing psychological thing but also uh, it doesn't cost or use as much to make it and uh Plastic is most of the oil from petroleum. It's like a petroleum thing where that's a big contributing factor to why we're like in this incline of peak oil right now. And so something just to consider of like it's not just about all the gas that people are using, it's actually about like what's being produced. And so just being aware and thinking about what's produced and using glass more um, and just being aware of the products that you use and putting in your body and your environment and um, 
you know, essentially anything that you do, people see, so you're promoting in a way. And so thinking about that is another fact. Bringing your own uh, containers for food, too, because a lot of trash is created from, like, the um, tin foil and all of the paper products that people, the food vendors use. And um, also ask the food vendors and restaurants, too, if they can start doing, like, compostable containers. Something really exciting, Santa Monica Sustainable Works is a program um, much like Flex Your Power. Well, both of these organizations do educational workshops on sustainability, how to green your home, green events, schools, businesses, just really using um, the, the different kind of lights that you use and how you power your company, your home. You can do offsetting in your home, like cleaninggreen.us is that offsetting wind company. And uh, there's so many other ways to, you know, reuse things. It's, I don't want to just keep on saying that, but when you're doing that, you're kind of... That's your solution. That's it really is really a solution, like. yeah. you know? And, um, and it's kind of fun, and you put stickers on things, and it mm -hmm. becomes, like, memorabilia, and it becomes a more fun thing rather than just, like, trying to do something for the environment, you know? Like Anything blue that participants can help green the event for you, or...? I think probably one of the things to, to keep in mind is that it's not as difficult as anyone would tell you, try and tell you it is. I mean, the products are all out there. In some cases, if you look hard enough, and, you know, if you have internet access, I encourage you to just sit and Google a little bit. Recycle this, recycle that. You'd be surprised what's available. Um, it doesn't even have to cost you that much more. A lot of people stay away from the right thing to do simply because it costs more, and I, and I question that. Um, if, if cost is an issue, then think about the cost of what you're doing wrong. To buy something for a dollar versus two dollars because it's half as much, but if it's twice as polluted. And we're doing all of these efforts of recycling and greening because for the benefit of well, the planet and also our lifestyles. I feel a lot better when I know I'm supporting my friends, like getting my food at farmers markets. I know I'm supporting people who are part of the community and <laughs> um, and you know I learned a lot of this with City Repair which is a great community building organization that's all they do is build community community, <laughs> community, community. God, I'm gonna get drunk on Iso Juice. thank you very much thank you very much for having me here this is a great event I had a great time so far you're doing a great job appreciate all that you've done can I just make one plug for natural building What's up? natural building is uh, the Doolab did a great job at Doolab, it. Doolab! Doolab! Doolab.com and you can go to lightninginabottle.org to find out about how they greened this event. And I don't think they put it on their website, but they use raffi and bamboo to build their structures. Raffi is a little bit more flexible than bamboo and they're both plants that grow. And they grow fast and so you can cut them and use them for structural material and then you can put fabric over the top of it or even better yet use uh, branches and other things just in your own environment and you can make your own little home, hut, playhouse, whatever you want. You have been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. For more information about this or other episodes, please visit our website, www.burncast.net. Burncast needs your help in producing podcasts from the playa for 2006. If you have any extra one gigabyte mini discs to donate to Burncast, please contact us at burncast at gmail.com. 
Special thanks to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts, to The Do Lab for sponsoring this episode of Burncast, and to Diva Danielle for editing this episode. <laughs>